0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 148 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible.
0: This episode is sponsored by Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com, plus Uncle Jimmy's. You can find them at uncle jimmyscom
1: The geek, and I'm Samantha Clark, and you're listening to the Stable Skeep Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network.
0: Wow, Helena, you Ho- changed your accent.
1: <laughs> I nearly said I was Helena. I v.
0: know. <laughs> I just was on the show notes.
1: Well, hi, Samantha. Hello, Glennie Glenn. It's been a long time. It's been almost a year.
0: I know. Can you believe that? Samantha, of course, uh, for those days. that have been living under a rock or haven't uh, listened to all the shows on the Horse Radio Network, was my co-host for two years on the 2010 radio show, the World Equestrian Games radio show. And, of course, the World Equestrian Games ended, and so did the show. So we've been, we've been <laughs> having lunch once a month, but we haven't done too many shows together since then.
1: Ah, uh, wafel you. My loss.
0: <laughs> I know. I'd say it's my loss. But we have been getting together. We don't live too far apart. So... We've been seeing each other. And, of course, you can find Samantha nowadays at Eventing Nation. She has a blog over there. You just go to eventingnation.com, and you, you look at the top links at the top there, and it says Samantha's blog.
1: It yeah. still says new. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. You've been new for a long time.
1: I, I don't know how to change anything, and John's always so busy, I hate to bug him about too much.
0: <laughs> well, stay new. People check it out if it's new. Yeah. So that's a good thing. You've been doing a terrific job. What, what a great writer you Thank
1: are. Thank you. Thank you very much. I
0: always told you you're a better writer than talker.
1: <gasps> well, that's sort of a backhanded compliment, but thank you. No, I you think.
0: are a terrific writer. And you're great at taking pictures. And one of the things I like about your stories is they're very human. They deal not only with what's happening at the events and things like that, but the human side of, of the event. And, and that's a side that the mainstream press miss so many times.
1: Yep. Well, we, yeah, I just, um, whatever, whatever's happening. That's what, that's what gets on there. So look out sometimes.
0: (laughs) But you know, I like it too, because you're you and you're known for being a tiny little bit irreverent. So, so that comes across in the blog too, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And of course you were an eventer. So this is really, you know, covering the eventing world is, is your thing. That's your, your passion.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really happy. I actually I was up at Bromont last weekend and um Which is in Canada. I saw right? which is in Canada and you do need a passport to get there. I realise that now. And <laughs> Did they let you in. <laughs> I had to come back home and get it. They oh wouldn't no, you weren't the whole way there, were you? Uh not to Canada, no, I was to the airport. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> But I saw Kyle and Jennifer Carter and um they have the two most beautiful daughters. The youngest is only two months old. I was gonna say you just had that baby. Yeah and they're both gorgeous and jennifer carter the uh kyle's wife is the picture of sort of calm and serenity and and always looks wonderful and i went up to her and she was pushing the little one in the in the i was gonna say the cart Buggy and I said, I don't know how you do it. You you never look stressed. You never look worried. You're always sort of fairly happy and smiling. And Kyle always has everything he needs. And and she said, Well, you do it. You have two children. And I said, I know, but I'm not. You know, this isn't work for me. I mean, <laughs> it is sort of work, but it's you know, I leave my children at home, and this is like a holiday for me. This is what I do for fun, coming to events, and it's a real treat and a privilege for me. I'm an, I'm so lucky, really. So. Well, and,
0: and okay. uh, for those that don't know, uh, you know, maybe you're not an eventing fan, but Eventing Nation has really become the site in the eventing world. When I talk to eventers now, they're getting their news from Eventing Nation. That's where they go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's great. John does a fantastic job. He's got some wonderful people. And, um, yeah, no, I just didn't, didn't realize. So I put a little picture on. There was some wonderful looking men, which, you know, another treat. Um, but everyone, all the men were trips. looking very fashionable in Canada. So I did a little thing about that. And there was this great, um, I think it was from Uruguay. And, um, it was wearing these fantastic, he looked actually reminded me of my brother, who's pretty hip, was wearing these purple trainers on his feet. So I put a picture of that and I said, I like these purple trainers. So my, so the guy from Uruguay came up to me and says, Oh, my friend, you know, he says that you don't like my shoes. And so I was like, <laughs> A, I was shocked that anyone actually reads what I write. And B, I was like, No, I love your shoes. <laughs> Purple trainers are totally hip, so. You know, sometimes
0: when we do, like we do the radio here, or you write your blogs, you forget that people are actually looking at it.
1: I know, we just chat away without (laughs) thinking it, so I do need to, I'm worried that I might have to censor myself a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, part of what makes Eventing Nation so popular is it does sort of, it is sort of anti-establishment and really says it the way it is many times so that you can't lose that though because that's what kind of makes it popular
1: all right well i'll tell them glenn said so uh, don't
0: become all corporate on me uh, when <laughs> no, john uh, first started that we had a conversation they said john you've got to let it be you you got to make this personal so that it becomes personal to the eventing world and he did that and it's doing very well so congratulations
1: well done john well done and well done
0: you you're part of that so yep. good job Well, uh, Samantha, we have some great guests here today. We're going to be speaking with uh, Debbie Roberts, who is the daughter of Monty... Or Debbie Laux, who is the daughter of Monty Roberts. Her name used to be Roberts. But uh, Debbie Laux, she's the daughter of Monty Roberts. She's been on the Stable Scoop show before, and she has some very exciting news she's going to tell us in the Monty Roberts world that happened. And it's so appropriate that Helena was out today. By the way, Helena's just uh, she just had to, had something to do with the daughter today and w- was a little uh, under the weather, so she'll be back again next week. Thanks, Samantha, for filling in on short notice. But it's so appropriate that you're here because what we're talking to Debbie about has to do with England.
1: I know. I saw a fantastic picture. I can't wait to ask Debbie about it. Cool. And
0: then also, you know, we did the Horse World Gives Back campaign, and thanks for Eventing Nation for helping us get the word out about it. And one of the guests that we were going to have in Horse World Gives Back is a lovely girl named Megan Galloway, Megan Stout Galloway, who's from Huntsville, uh, Alabama. And the unfortunate part was we had her scheduled for so late in the show. And we had so many guests that night during that show that we couldn't get her on. So we promised that we'd have her back to tell her story of of being involved in the tornadoes in Alabama and what happened to her farm and her horses. And she's going to tell that today on the Stable Scoop show. And I think you're going to like her. I, I really do. She's. I talked to her on the phone before, and she's just a sweetheart and really just wants to tell her story. So... If you missed the Horse World Gives Back show, you can listen to the recorded version at horseworldgivesback.com. It's up there and available for you to take a listen to. Some of the incredible stories that were told that night, some of them were hard to listen to almost, but it, it's life. And the, the matter-of-fact way, we'll see what Megan's like today, but the matter-of-fact way they told these stories was what amazed us the most about that night. And I think it's because they really just need to get the word out. They really needed to, to tell their story. Yeah. Um, so that we'll be talking to Megan a little later in the show. But let's get to Debbie first here, right after we talk about equestrian collections. You know, Equestrian Collections has all the products that you're going to need for the summertime. If you need fly sheets, if you need fly spray, if you need new tack, if you're going to a show for the first time and you need all the outfit, whether uh, whether it's for you or your family or your husband, they have a lot of guy stuff there. You know, guy stuff is hard to find sometimes. Well, Equestrian Collections has it. They have tens of thousands of products that are available and ready for you to buy today at prices that you can afford. So stop over to equestriancollections.com for all of your shopping needs this summer. That's equestriancollections.com. And don't forget to follow them on Facebook. They have a very active Facebook page, and they do a tremendous job on their Facebook page. So just search for Equestrian Collections over there. Well, uh, Samantha, let's get to Debbie Lauk's daughter of Monty Roberts and find out what the big news is.
1: Well, I'm so glad, A, to be back on the show, and B, we have an old friend as a guest. We have Debbie, who is Monty Roberts' daughter, with some very exciting
2: news. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that nice introduction. Um, and if I'm old, that makes Dad ancient. Old friends. Old friends. <laughs>
1: old
2: friends. Old friends in good times.
1: What, what is the right. exciting news, Debbie?
2: The exciting news is, well, there's a couple of them, but I think probably the one with that English accent that you're alluding to is the RVO Award, um, the Royal Victorian Order so dad has now become a member of that exclusive club, which is quite kind.
1: That is awarded by the Queen. Does that mean we have to call him Sir Monty
2: Roberts? He would probably let you get away with that, <laughs> but no. <laughs> no it, it's not, not quite. Yeah, you know this probably better than I, but um, I guess to be a sir, you have to be a UK citizen. And you know, we haven't let him do that yet. But it's a great honor. It is. It, it really is. And and I'll I'll break the news here I think too that um it was not only a great honor to be asked to come over for that, but um when it was already scheduled that he was working uh in Polehampton with the Queen's babies over there, um probably some people know that he's been going there and helping with the Queen uh for since well, for twenty years and he goes once or twice a year. And um, that's just a, that's a pro bono work for the queen in that he just loves it, and he just fits it in when he's doing these trips. So Oh, he, yeah, it's real
0: tough to hang around the palace for a couple of ah,
2: days. Now, wait a minute. He's got these 1,000-pound <laughs> these things at the end of a lead, you know. Okay, right. <laughs> he's got to work for his supper. <laughs> 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 no, but he loves it. He, that is his little bit of vacation time. Some people fish. Um, he, he, but what he does is he goes over there on kind of a set we try to incorporate with because there's, you know, airline tickets and all that. So we get, you know, the paid work <laughs> is in and amongst that. And um, so he told them, gosh, I'm over there early. So this this goes back to 1896, the RVO award. And it was, um, I'm not telling you anything, I'm sure, but I um, I know that it is, around Queen Victoria's birthday, which is June 20. So everybody comes to um, wherever it's being held, um, overflow or not, to the Queen on that date. But he's not there then, so she gave him a private half hour in uh, her, um, I don't know, a sitting room or something for the award, which she said um, was quite emotional for both of them, which is great. Well,
0: they've been working together for so long
1: yeah yeah that's yeah. amazing and also um it's funny it's like a full circle because Henry Cecil who's a famous racehorse trainer in England also received his MBE I think this year mm. and was at Royal Ascot where I saw one of the horses using one of Monty Roberts's famous blankets to go oh. in the starting box and you just said he's gone now to Munich to help one of the horses that's there right. who won't go in the exactly starting right. box so Monty's everywhere. We There's no escape. <laughs> you can't
2: keep up with him. It. Yeah, it's likely he use the blanket on that horse, too. We, we made provisions for that to happen. Um, there's a man by the name of Harold Schneider over there. Has a very um, good athlete and just doesn't want to go in that um, starting gate. And, and you know, horses are, are flight animals. They prefer to be out on a plane somewhere where they can see five miles in each direction. And really, we do unnatural things with them, you know, to put them in these... Scary boxes with people screaming and clanging and banging, banging and and people getting behind them with linked arms and you know shoving them in there and they're big and that's a small spot you know and uh, it doesn't surprise me that they don't have more problems with that but um <clears throat> but we're we're trying to get more people trained up with that he he doesn't sell the blanket per se he just tells people how to put it together um Glenn I don't know if you know what we're talking about but it's like this um the story goes that um, there was a horse he was working with in England years ago who um, he just had to noodle and noodle and noodle why this horse was having problems. And it turns out the rail that the jockey's feet land on when they're inside that starting gate was bothering this horse, just went right in the flank area. So uh, he finally came up with an idea to go get a big piece of carpet. <laughs> and he just laid it over the, the, the horse as a giant blanket and then put the saddle on... Um, on top, actually, and just walk the horse through, through, and through, and, and the horse finally got the idea that it wasn't going to tickle anymore, and then he devised a pull-away um, blanket. It it actually um, is held outside the back end of the gate, and um, he had to go through great hoops to get the stewards to approve this.
0: I bet. They don't like anything. There. No.
2: <laughs> no. Exactly. You can't even change your T-shirt down there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, it worked, and ever since then, people have... Kind of so made, it actually stays, vision.
0: it's connected, so when the horse takes off, it just falls away. Or well, Exactly, there,
2: exactly. You know. But it gets that horse through there without tickling the sides, you know.
0: Isn't that amazing? And, of mm-hmm. course, this award was for, uh, for personal service to the monarchy. It's something that's separate from the government. This is not a co-award like some of them are. This is the queen saying, you've done good work for me.
2: Exactly. It it was made that honor was made uh, by Victoria for that reason uh, to honor people who have served her directly, um, and uh, it's it's sometimes to members of the family, and it's sometimes um, members of heads of state outside. So it's not just it's not just for UK citizens, um, but it is with those people who worked closely around her, which is nice. I'd- she she made it though for the racing. She gave it the caveat that it was for his work for the racing establishment um, but in the private setting too, um, he told me, that she said that she was kind of looking for an excuse to, to make it um, something official but she threw in that it was his work with people and his work with organizations and mostly her love is the um, RDS which is the Riding for the Disabled in in the UK, it's kind of our version of a, a Nara, or you know that kind of thing. Wow! Yeah, how cool Very is cool. that?
0: And and you sent a picture and posted it on our Facebook page, actually. And mm-hmm. uh, Samantha, you can see it too. It's on. Uh, you posted it on our Horses in the Morning Facebook page of him in a suit with the uh, <laughs> by the gate with the award and with, with the pin. And let me tell you, I, I don't know the last time I've seen him in a suit. Which is no,
2: you've seen him. I got a lot got a lot on our Facebook page, like where's his cowboy hat? Yeah, you where's
0: know? his ascot? You know, he's always wearing that thing around his neck. So it's like yeah. uh, that's not there either. It's a tie. A real tie. Yeah, a real
2: tie. He you knows that to tie that Windsor thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well that's a pretty impressive picture.
2: Ah, good. Yeah, it's a pretty impressive gate, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Samantha's probably seen that gate a few times.
1: Well, uh, we took the I took the kids there to the um changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace, which oh, is always God. fun.
2: Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun for him to come full circuit. It was kind of interesting when he got the call, he said, they're very secretive. They wouldn't even tell him what it is. And they said, we just want you to come. Uh, <laughs> and I can't even say where, but well, I guess, you know, from the gate kind of where it was, but, um, and you come to the privy door and <laughs> you wear your suit. Well, that was an odd, he's never been asked to do that.
0: He <laughs> probably had years. to go out and buy one.
2: <laughs> no, he had a suit, but he, but he hadn't heard about that privy gate before, I guess. And, he even went to the back gate. <laughs> yeah, I, I said to him, it sounds like that backdoor neighbor thing, you know? Like, <laughs> hey, come on around back. <laughs> so it, it was all different, and he knew something was up, but they don't even tell you then. And when I talked to Buckingham Palace, on friday uh, before the news was supposed to come out they were they said it was on embargo until saturday um they're very funny about that i said could you um share with me your press release we don't do a, sh- a press release oh what do you do we do a list okay i said how did i I'm, said i'm a foreigner w- what is the definition of the list well it's on embargo Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be hard. You're going to have this, to ask twenty questions. You know?
1: <laughs> this sounds like if a tree falls in the woods or um something like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just have to be very careful about all these things. I'm sure Samantha knows, but but it is it's it's exciting. I mean, c- coupled with the war horse, you know, Glenn and I, we've talked about the War Horse yeah. production coming and the Spielberg movie. And it and just
0: the- won the Tony Award for Best Play.
2: <gasps> Amazing. I know. And it should. It's, it's a wonderful play. So dad was involved in. Did you, you know, see it the, when you were there the, last, Samantha? I did. I, saw, I went with my
1: mother and my sister. And my mother had already seen it twice before and oh. was still crying all the way through. Going, oh, no, get ready for this. Oh. Okay, oh, Samantha, yeah, did this. you actually cry? I did cry.
0: Ah, oh, finally. I finally. <laughs> no, Glenn, taken I cry
1: quite years. easily. <laughs> <Rubbish. She
2: picks laughs> I did love to hear you say it after the last...
0: She picks on me all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just exciting that, that, you know, horses are recognized again. Um, you know, we keep telling the media that horse movies, horse plays, you know, they're they're people relate to them uh, a lot. And... And we keep saying horse TV, and we we still don't see a lot of good programming for horse TV, um, episodic, you know, <coughs> stories. No. We'd like to see more of that, but anyway, this and the the Buck movie is coming out, which is um, that'll be fun because we just we think anything that raises the consciousness of.
0: I was going to ask classical. you what you thought about yeah. that. That's uh, it, it's it's unlimited release around the country, and if you go to the mm-hmm. Buck Booby website, you'll see where where it's going to be. I think the closest here, Samantha, is Cincinnati, but we're thinking about all taking a ride up someday. So I'll let you know. Oh, uh,
1: good! Yeah, Horse we'll, Radio Network.
2: Yeah, we'll
0: just all take snap. a ride up and gather and there's see that. the Buck movie together. Have you seen it, Debbie?
2: No, no, I have not seen it, um, okay. I, and and wouldn't wouldn't have been involved in it. But um, I, you know, I we got a bunch of calls yesterday, so it must have come out over the weekend. And okay. there's a lot of parallels to Dad's life story. So you know, you get that. Like, is Buck, but there is a Buck Brandman. <laughs> it's <Right>. not Dad, <laughs> And so I guess his story parallels. I really don't know much about his story. Yeah, it kind of um, does.
0: I've, I've known enough about him, and we've interviewed uh, his brother and things like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of does. It's going to be very interesting. I think you guys mm-hmm. are going to find it interesting to watch, too. And I know you have to run. You have another mm-hmm. uh, something to get to here today, yeah. something yeah. about running Monty Roberts' Empire. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Um, That little thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're sweet. You're sweet. Well, thank you so much for letting us share the good news. It's really fun to get it over on this side of the ocean, too.
1: Well, congratulations.
2: Thank you. Yes, wonderful news, and thank you for sharing. Thank you for calling. I will share it all with him.
0: All right, good. You tell him we said hi. Thank you. All right, bye-bye.
1: Well, that was terrific talking to Debbie and finding out the exciting news, and you're right, very fitting that we had her on today and that I was um, happy to fill in for Helena. Thank you, Debbie.
0: Yeah, all English. All that English talk today. All that British talk. The best. Have you gotten awards from the Queen? Have you met the Queen?
1: (laughs) I haven't, no. Okay, just asking. Just thought
0: maybe you had a private conference for a half an hour with
1: the Queen. (laughs) I haven't even been in the Pretty Gate.
0: (laughs) You haven't been in the Pretty Door? No. (laughs) (laughs) I've missed doing shows with you, Samantha. Let's talk about Uncle Jimmy's and hanging balls. Speaking of that? which. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. That's a perfect transition in Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls. You know, there is no more fun commercial to do that I do every week than talk about Uncle Jimmy's products. He is the master of marketing. You cannot go in a tax shop in America or all over the world now without finding Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls and his other products, too. He he told us the other day, Samantha, that he's looking at doing a a all natural line of products that would be a would be mm. would be considered all natural. Apparently he what's the word?
1: Organic balls. Thank
0: you. He's talking about making organic balls, that's correct. <laughs> and, you know, he has his pecker wrecker, which is the the uh food for chickens. And he has requests from a bunch of big farms in Texas now to make organic because they're organic chicken farms. And they want organic pecker wreckers. So he is actually looking at making organic pecker wreckers too. How we get through these commercials every week, I don't know. We almost need to censor ourselves. Do I have a beep button? Do you have a beep button? <laughs> <laughs> so Uncle Jimmy's brand products, your your horses will love them. Mucho macho man eats has Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls hanging in his stall. So famous racehorse has, uses Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls, and I think you're going to like them. Check them out at your tack shop the next time. Try one. Your horse will love them. You will love them because they help your horse stay sane in his stall. Uh, check them out at uncle jimmyscom All right, let's go to Megan Stout Galloway. She's from Huntsville Huntsville, Alabama. And she was involved uh, firsthand in the tornadoes that went through there about two months ago that were so disastrous in the South. And we have to say that Samantha and I are both from Lexington, Kentucky. We live about 10 miles from each other. And as we're recording here today, we are getting wicked thunderstorms, so... This is going to be a little interesting talking to Megan today while we're having wicked su- thunderstorms, and she's telling about her experience with tornadoes and thunderstorms. So it's kind of all spooky today, Samantha. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's uh, ironic, if nothing else. Hi, Megan, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Hello. Yeah, I'm glad that you were able to come on with us today. We tried to get you on the... The show, as I mentioned earlier, we tried to get you on Horse World Gives Back the other night, but uh, we was towards the end of the show, and we were going to get cut off, and there were so many people on the line, so that's why we wanted to have you back today because I think you kind of have an interesting story. Tell us first, you know, you have you're you're into raining and eventing. How did that come about? Well, I grew up in
3: high school. Oh, first of all, thanks for letting me talk today. Uh, the show. Uh, or Horse World Gives Back was really, really neat to listen to. Um, So even though I didn't get to talk, it was a lot of fun to just listen in and hear the different stories. There were um, were some
0: amazing ones, and yours is too, but there were some amazing ones on Monday night.
3: Yeah. Uh, I I got into eventing through Pony Club in high school, and then it kind of escalated in college, and... Got a couple other horses and a thoroughbred off the track that I brought along that uh, is now backing around as a young rider, going intermediate and doing two stars. So that was fun to get him passed on uh, once he reached the point where I couldn't take him any farther. Um, and then after I sold him, I got a reigning horse. Needed to switch something up and something that didn't take quite as much training or endurance work as, or conditioning. As an eventer does, um, you know, I just got out of college and having a full-time job, it, it's hard to continue doing eventing and find time for that. So I thought I'd try something else to make me into a better horsewoman. And I did a complete 360 and switched to reining, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, I got really lucky to find a nice nice little gelding that's been perfect for me and teaching me and packing me around and very forgiving.
0: But you're uh, you're so, you're, a, you're a true adventurous uh, eventer, though because you didn't go into Western pleasure you chose raining.
3: No. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like your size only you throw away the reins and pick up bigger spurs. <laughs> and
1: you have a completely different set of tack. It's not even like you took up barrel racing, like right. <laughs> like Glenn said, Megan. You you did yeah. raining.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And um it is completely different, and that was the hardest thing, was giving away both, you know, what do you do with that extra hand?
0: Uh, Okay, so, all right, you have to answer a question before we go any further. (laughs) Why the heck do they hold their hand up and make it look so silly like they do in raining, the extra hand?
3: I don't know. I mean, I do, because I can pick up the extra rain if I need to, (laughs) um, kind of to set the head, Uh, but in theory, I think it's more of since there's supposed to be a cow horse and ranch horse. Um, that way you can use it if you throw a rope or if you can need to do a sharp turn or cut a cow, that type of thing instead of like the pleasure ones, just letting that hang down by your side. Mm. Um, I've not really asked I just look at pictures, and that's where they sit put
0: it, so that's where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that that was one of the things that we just find silly. I love watching raining, but that, that whole holding the hand sort of in front of you like that is kind of weird. That's kind of, uh, yeah. yeah. So you got into raining, and, and are you, do you consider yourself a rainer now, or are you still in the learning stages? Uh,
3: kind of both. So I've been doing raining about two years now. So, um, I've been doing it long enough to consider myself a rainer, but if you look at me ride, I'm still very obviously an English rider on a very nice raining horse. (laughs) It's it's very hard to sit on your pockets instead of sit up like you do in eventing and, um, it's very, very un- hard to undo that seat.
0: I've seen a lot uh, but, of uh, English riders try reining, and that is the hardest problem they have, Is especially the sliding stops, is sitting back and yeah. putting your feet out like that. That's just not natural for an English rider.
3: No, and the best way I can describe to do that, uh, what I think about is, you know, like you look up at the top of the trees when you're getting ready to jump down a bank. You think, look up, shoulders back, sit deep so you don't get knocked forward. That's what I do, is I just think about, you know, dropping off the bank, just letting the horse, take his momentum and put you where you're supposed to be, and that and that's the only way I stick those stops, is by thinking, okay, look at the top of the trees now, put your shoulders back, uh, say whoa.
1: And uh, what about style? Have you adopted the Western style? Are you wearing sparkly shirts and big belt buckles?
3: I, you know, rainers don't really do the big belt buckles, uh, oh, unless you get this real big time oh, well, I mean, we have the bling and belt, um, and I've got spurs with the hair on them and all that stuff, but I really, I put the Western hat on when I go into the show ring, and I take it off as soon as I come out. I'm still much more comfortable walking through Walmart in my breeches and muck boots uh, than I am walking through Walmart with my whole cowboy get-up on. So it's,
0: it's <laughs> I was going to ask you if that. you missed breeches, but I guess you do. Oh. I, you still wear them.
3: I do still wear them. Uh, Bob, my little reigning horse. Uh, there's times when I get a wild hair and I'll throw my little uh, jump saddle on him or dressage saddle and br- break out the happy mouse snap a bit and we go and have a pony day and you know get the rainbow pad and just deck them out like you see the little cute little itty bitty girls and their cute little itty bitty ponies and yeah, Bob's not very very thrilled. To be doing all that, but it's still fun to (laughs) make and pretend to be an English punny occasionally.
0: All right, so now you haven't given up on eventing altogether, though. You still are an eventer.
3: I still am an eventer. I have the mare that I punny clubbed off of in college and high school, um, and I retired her once she had a pasture injury and started breeding her. Um, I got a couple babies, still kind of playing around with that. Uh, I had a Friesian mare out of her that turned out really, really nice, but she's just going to be a nice big 17-plus hand dressage horse. And I I really prefer the 16-hand compact ones because they're a lot more safe on Mm cross-country, and that's just my personal preference. Um, But she wasn't what I wanted, so I brought her to a thoroughbred the next year. And got a really, really nice mare out of her again. Chestnut mare, so she's a little loopy, but perfect for eventing. Um, she she's was, loopy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not mares. They're, they're all a little loopy. It's special. <laughs> uh,
0: she takes the but, special Yeah. Mass. Yeah.
3: yeah uh, okay. And that is the even and mentality, you know, you got to have something a little bit crazy to go, okay, something solid? Yeah, sure, we'll go do that.
0: Samantha, you've uh, never been on any, any crazy eventers, have you?
3: Nope. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, make them diet. crazy in England. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe I need to try one of those. <laughs> yeah.
0: So tell no, us... Uh, all right, so let's let's fast forward here. Now you were boarding you're in you're in Huntsville, Alabama, right?
3: Yeah, just outside um Decatur area, so just a little bit farther west, okay. about 30 minutes.
0: And you were boarding your horses when you know we're getting up to the whole time of the tornado and everything. You're boarding your horses at this at this point?
3: Yeah, I live in town and I travel a lot with my job. Uh so it's not feasible for me to live on a farm. Um so I do board that way, I don't. I have the peace of mind that someone's taking care of them on a regular basis, looking after them day in day out. Um, if there's any injuries that needs to be called, I don't have to worry about it at all. So yeah, I do board. Uh, that works great for me. And it was a farm just outside of, still farther west of Huntsville, but only about 30-45 minutes.
0: All right, tell us uh, what the day was, and uh, tell us about that day.
3: Okay. Uh, It was April 27th was the day that has changed my life forever, and I know a lot of other people. Um, Alabama was hit hard with all the storms, and we knew it was coming. Everybody said, you know, it's going to be bad. We don't know how bad, but we're going to get, you know, supercells and a lot of storms and a lot of rain. And uh, I was at work that day. Luckily, I was in town and not having to travel. But um, it was just wave after wave of storms. And it was so strange. We started in the morning, and there would be a wave come through where we'd flicker with power and everything else, high winds. And we'd all go in the conference storm shelter room uh, for about 15, 20 minutes. And then it passed, and the sun would come back out, and it'd be pretty for an hour. And then another wave would hit. And it did that consistently throughout the day. And they were just an hour apart. And, uh, you know, we had the news on and listening to everything. And finally they said, you know, about the 2 or 3 o'clock one hit. And that was pretty bad. So they sent us home before the next wave hit. Because they knew that about 5 o'clock was going to be the real heavy, um, the biggest of the cells to come through. And we knew that there were tornadoes. Um, And they were luckily going kind of north and kind of south, and nothing had really hit us yet, uh, but we knew there was a big chance. So they wanted everyone to be at home, uh, not on the roads traveling or trying to get there before the really severe stuff hit. Um, So we went home, and I'm in in the process of remodeling. So I started painting trim. You know, I'm originally from Illinois. So tornadoes aren't a big deal. I mean, we all have basements. They all hit. I mean, it's a fact of life. So I wasn't real concerned about it. Um, once, you know, the fire went out, so we didn't have any power. Uh, and I did load up the dogs and the cats and me in the bathtub for the storm that came through about 435 o'clock. Um, uh, and by the time that one was done, you know, it passed over us, and it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was windy, and it was dark and everything else, but I didn't think anything about it. Uh, the sun came back out. I went down to a neighbor's, and we were talking, you know, blew down a tree kind of in the field behind our house. Then, um, I mean, it's just another line to pass, And we didn't realize, you know, power was out, but we didn't realize how bad that line was. Until so I got a call. I was still down at the neighbor's, and it was the owner of the farm that I boarded at. And all he could say was, it's gone. Everything's gone. A tornado hit the house. The house came down on top of me, mm. and it's all gone. Uh, and that's all I could keep repeating was, it's gone. Uh, he said, I'm at the hospital. Uh, I'm fine, but I don't know about the horses or the dogs or anything else. So at, at that point, I I asked him. I said, "You're joking, right? Please tell me you're not serious." And he said, "Nope, I'm dead serious." I'm at the hospital. It's gone. I mean, he just kept saying it's gone. So I um, I said, "Okay." Uh, we got off the phone, uh, it went on, and I I went home. I changed my clothes, packed a spare, changed clothes, my extra muck suits, hopped in my truck. And headed out there. Um, It was about ten miles. It's about ten miles from my house, and it took me an hour to get there uh, because of the amount of traffic. The roads were bad. uh, Power lines across the road. There was a wreck right before we got there, about a mile from it. I didn't know what to expect because there were rough. I think doing a quick count.
0: Did you, do, um, did you do, I, see a lot of damage on the way there, too, obviously?
3: Yeah, it was hard to see because that next wave of storms came through. It had been about half an hour, 45 minutes, about an hour, since that real bad wave came through, and there was another wave coming back through. Well. So it, it couldn't drive real quick. Uh, heavy traffic, it was a main four-lane highway, uh, and it was sitting still for most of the most of it, because there was rain coming through, there were wrecks, power lines, there was a lot of damage, and there was a lot of water over the road. Um, I mean, we're right on the Tennessee River, so a lot of the creeks feed right into it. So with all of this rain that comes, comes a lot of flash flooding, um, and the water was so high, I've, I mean, creeks that normally, you know, you could walk through in are way steep, they were way overflowing in the roads. I mean, it was just, it was unreal at the amount of water that was around. So as I was going to the barn, I was listening to the radio, and I was on the north end of town, and there were more tornadoes on the south end of town. So I was fine, you know. (laughs) They were going south as I was going north, uh, trying to get out there. There was a bend in the road, um, and traffic was stopped, and I immediately started thinking the worst because traffic wasn't moving. I was about a mile from the farm. You could tell there was a wreck. And I started thinking, if the house is gone, the barn's gone, what horses did survive, there's no longer fence, and there's no telling what shape they're in or where they're at. So I started assuming, trying to keep it composed, that the horses are still in the fence. They didn't get on the road. They didn't get hit. Um, because he had a stallion, and he had mares and babies, on top of the riding horses that we had there. Uh, it was just a little farm, but there was, uh, quick count, three, four riding horses, a stud, four brood mares, uh, and three babies. So there are quite a few horses out there in different pastures. You know, we didn't know, I didn't know what to expect because I didn't get any details out of Ron. He was in shock. Um, uh, Right across the river from where the farm is, the farm is probably a mile or two from the Tennessee River. Across the river, there's a nuclear plant, which the tornado also did some damage to, which meant we were without power until they could get the nuclear plant up and running. So, it, I mean, it was serious. Uh, cell phone towers were down, so we didn't have service. Um, it was spotty. You might be able to send or receive text. You might be able to send or receive calls. I mean, there was. If you want to talk about an isolated feeling, I we don't have any idea how dependent we are upon our cell phones until we don't have them. Uh, if we could do that, we didn't have power, so we only had car chargers th- to charge them.
0: I think Samantha would go through a meltdown. It's it's.
3: Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's I would, would... <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. I would. You would. I mean. My horse trailer is still up in Illinois with my parents. Uh, so I didn't I had a truck but I didn't have a trailer so I didn't have any idea how I was going to get the horses off the farm or move them. I didn't have any idea how we were going to call a vet to be able to handle the horses. I mean if the house was gone, there's no tell in what shape. you know I had no idea what I was walking into. All I knew was it's gone. I didn't know what the degree of it's gone meant, but I didn't know how I was going to get a hold of a vet. How to get the horses moved? How to, I mean anything, and with no power means no ATMs, no gas stations, nothing. You couldn't use your debit credit cards, nothing. So you had the cash in your wallet, and you had the gas in your tank.
0: Well, that's something you don't think about.
3: No, I mean we couldn't even if our trucks. And who were carries out of cash bill,
0: anymore? Nobody.
3: I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've got maybe five cents in my wallet right now. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> I had about a hundred bucks that week and that's i mean that was unheard of so uh, we couldn't get groceries we couldn't you know the stores that had generators we were on basically a dry food diet and they didn't know how long because the nuclear plant had been hit they were talking about a week maybe two weeks before they could get power restored to some people wow. see megan
1: so- it's, i mean i'm sitting here listening to you and it's Pouring as rain yeah, and thunderstorms by way, we're in the outside. Middle of
0: thunderstorms,
1: <laughs> and I'm uh, oh. <laughs> I'm lost for words. I mean, just listening to you now, I'm I'm helpless. Thinking I, I would have curled up in a ball and started crying already. I, I, you're amazing.
3: Yeah, I, I just did what had to be done. All right, I, just, I
1: mean, so. I suppose you do. You dig deep and you just keep going. But you, anyway, carry on.
0: Yeah, so, <laughs> so, what,
3: so when you yeah. got,
0: so you got to the farm.
3: I got to the farm. I couldn't get back to the farm. I had to park on the highway because the creek that runs alongside the farm was out of its banks and everything was flooded. Like, aside from the trees down across the road or across the driveway, it was waist deep water. I could not get back to the farm, to where the house used to be, to where the barn used to be. Uh, it was, he had rubber wire fence and barbed wire on top. The T post. The water was up to the top of the woven wire fence. Oh, geez. That gives you an idea of how deep that was. So it was, I mean, I'm short, I'm 5'5, and it was waist deep for me. Uh, So getting back there to it, luckily the house and the barn kind of sat on a little high place. It's an older farm. Um, So he, you know, has rebuilt the house, rebuilt the barn. But back where his grandparents, Um, used to have everything. And, you know, they say they don't build it like they used to, but the people back in the day knew where to put stuff that never flooded. Uh, So luckily it was right on the little high spot where, where the house used to be and the barn used to be. It wasn't underwater. Uh, but everything else was. Uh, let's,
0: now, let's cut there for a second because my weather alarm is going off at this very moment. So let me uh, turn <laughs> that right. off right now before uh, it interrupts okay. us too much. Which is quite eerie talking to you, Megan, and having that go off.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope everything goes good for you guys today. I've got oh, 95 you are and 70. Amazing. Why that? <laughs> all right.
0: So it's a severe thunderstorm warning. i got to figure out how to turn that off and just make it tornado warnings. Um, because it goes <laughs> yeah. off during the shows. So, so you did you actually wade through the water then to get through to there?
3: Well, uh, there was kind of a lull period where we couldn't... I was there. I was assessing everything without having a mental breakdown. Couldn't get back there because there were power lines down, And we uh. knew... I mean, at that point, we didn't know that the nuclear plant had been hit. So there were we knew it was alive because the horses were standing in the water but it was at that point where you say and there were still more lines of storms coming through so we couldn't get back there couldn't get in the water because we were afraid of lightning hitting and then frying us all Uh, or the power flickering back on and frying us all so there was a point where you just felt helpless I can't get back there I can't you know you start to take a head count you assess from afar Um, the amount of damage was actually done. And the tornado that came through was huge. Uh, There's been a lot of coverage about the tornado that hit Tuscaloosa and all of the damage.
0: Yep, and we had a lot uh, of people who were affected by that one the other night.
3: Yeah. That was an EF-4. Uh, This one that hit the farm was an EF-5. Oh, wow. It was 200, and I looked it up on the National Weather Service. 200 mile per hour winds, a mile and a quarter wide, and it was on the ground for 132 miles. Wow! So that gives you—I mean, the path that this one hit. Basically, it was on the ground for all of Alabama, came out of Mississippi, stayed on the ground in Alabama, and went up into Tennessee before it went up. Uh, it was—it was huge. The house was no longer there. I don't know how Ron survived. Uh,
0: well, did he have a basement?
3: No. And that's the thing. Since I'm from Illinois, we don't think tornadoes are that bad because everybody's got basements right. or storm shelters or somewhere to go. Here in Alabama, well, everything's built on a concrete slab. It's very rare to find a place that's even got a storm shelter, let alone a basement.
0: Yeah, Samantha um, and I are here in Kentucky. Do you have a basement, Samantha?
1: No, I have a cool space. Which yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I threaten the kids, so I'm going to put them in there for time out sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we don't have
0: one either.
3: Yeah, I mean, some places have crawl spaces. My place is on a slab. Um, Ron's house was on a crawl space and a slab. Um, He built onto it and just built on an office on a slab, and that's what saved his life, is because the direction that the tornado and the storm came from, which he didn't know this, um, but he knew one was coming, he didn't have time to get under the crawl space, but he went down in his office, and got up against the um against the center blocks, in his office was that little step down between the crawl space and the slab under his desk and he had roughly a hundred and ten pounds puppy um, It's an African um portable, which is a mastiff, but they're the lion dogs, yep, yep. uh so it's huge, yeah, the huge puppy um, was in there with him. And that little void area where that stepped down from his house. And if he'd been anywhere in the house where the crawl space was, there was nothing left. They just took the walls off the off the, foundation um, and actually moved the base of the house about 10 feet off of the slab or off of the crawl space foundation. Um, and the direction that it came from pushed one of the walls down on top of him under that desk. And in his office, and that's what kept him from getting hurt any farther than he was. But it actually pulled that puppy, the 110-pound puppy, out of his hands uh, and out of the house. So we had no idea where that puppy was, uh, you know, it, and it didn't suck him out, but it sucked that dog out. As the walls were coming down and everything was moving, uh, he ended up crawling, or digging himself out. And crawling out, Uh, and we saw right where he was at, and that was the only void space there was left of that house. Uh, He had someone watching over him that day. I was going to say, it wasn't his time. No, it wasn't his time. If he had been anywhere else, even in that room, he wouldn't be here, because there was nothing left of the house. Uh, There were no walls, there were no closets, there was nothing. Uh, But he crawled, dug himself out, crawled out, waved someone down on the highway and got to the hospital. He came out of it with some, he separated some of those ligaments and tendons from his ribs. Uh, so he, he didn't have broken ribs. He didn't have cracked ribs, but they were separated mm-hmm. and kind of free floating. And a couple stitches and black eyes, and he's really, really sore, but no broken bones. I mean, he got so, so lucky uh, yeah. compared to a lot of people. But um, it's, it was pretty bad. His barn, he actually had two barns. His grandpa's old barn, um, that he stored hay in and had chickens and some run ins for the horses. And then he had a newer barn with stalls and an indoor pen and an apartment office. Both of those barns were flattened. There, there was nothing left. Uh, there was some six by sixes still standing and some stall fronts on one edge. But the apartment, the tack room, um, Everything had been it was fine. Now, now didn't, it was, it
0: was, did did I read that one of you, that your Rainer was actually in a stall in the barn at the time? No, no, okay.
3: No, he um he was actually getting to be a horse, and he was turned out. Uh, he was in a the lot right behind the house in the barn. He was just in a little paddock. He had a run and shed, uh, and he was loving it. But where he was at, the tornado was on the ground for the complete time. Uh, so I and he survived. He he has some minor scratches uh, that came out of it. I mean, mentally he's fine. Physically he's fine. He's still a little bit sore. I mean, it's been almost two months, and he's he's still sore. I still need to do a lot of conditioning, a lot of trauma. Was he was he,
0: was he in the paddock when you found him?
3: No, none of the horses were in the pasture that they started at him.
0: They all got picked uh, up and moved.
3: Well, there wasn't a fence standing anymore. The tornado uh,
0: it took all it, the fence out too.
3: Yeah, it took the fence out. It took the barn out. I mean, everything was gone. Um, and when I say everything was gone, it, it was leveled. I don't understand how any of them survived. Um, I mean, it even took part of barbed wire off the fence and tied it between two of the brace posts from the old barn that Grandpa had set. Because those were still standing. Some of those posts that had been there for 100 years were still standing perfectly straight. And it's, I mean, it, but there was nothing left. He, the most I can assume, gather, try to logically put together, the only reason he is alive is because he either, he had two escape routes when he saw that coming. He could have gone over a mesh wire fence with barbed wire. Or there are some six-foot round pin panels um, towards the front between the house and the barn area where they've got fed so they wouldn't have to feed by the barbed wire mesh fence. And from looking at his injuries, he jumped something to get out of Dodge. And I don't think he went over the barbed wire because he didn't need stitches, but from his flanks and his thighs all the way down his back leg, he was pretty scraped up. So... I assume he got his front end over those gate panels and then kind of hung and then scooted the rest of the way over. Um, I don't know where he ended up, but I don't know why he came back. Uh, but he was in one of the front pastures standing in front of the barn when I got there. All of the brood mares were in a pasture in front of the house. Um, he had three broodmares with three babies. They were in that same pasture as Bob. Uh,
0: and they all live too?
3: Well, kind of, yeah. Uh, they survived that night. When we were out there assessing, it was kind of, you know, you get out there, you look at the horses, you look for blood po- pouring out of open wounds, and you look for limbs attached to weird ankles. Um, mm-hmm. All of the mares, all of the babies and Bob were not bleeding. Everything was attached correctly. They didn't have skin hanging out. So we moved on to the next one. I mean, we were digging out halters and lead ropes out of the barn where the tack room used to be uh, and just trying to find lens lines, lead ropes, something to to secure them so we could get them on trailers to get them out of there. It was probably 9.30 before we ever got enough trailers lined up to get them moved. So we were after dark trying to assess everything. They were standing in, you know, knee-deep water where they were at so we couldn't look at lower limbs, but everybody seemed to be okay so we kind of shoved them on on trailers. They went to the vet um, to be taken care of. to get stitched up or anything else they needed and went on from there. ended up having to put down one of the broodmares last week because she had puncture wounds on the heel of one of her front legs and I ended up getting a bone infection um, that they just couldn't get rid of. They tried to nerve block it. They tried to do everything they could and she was an ex- Excessive pain and, uh, just, she didn't make it. Had to have her put down. But, um, all of the babies were fine. They had some stitches.
0: Now, you had an inventor at that farm, too? You had two horses or just one?
3: I had two. I had, um, I had a three-year-old out of my pony club there from high school, um, out of a thoroughbred racehorse, and she had had about 20 rides on her, um, and was kind of up and coming. She she was beautiful. She was big. She was just had enough edge that she was going to, I mean, she was the real deal. Um, And I was looking forward to that. Uh, She was out in a 20-acre pasture out back with two other horses. And um, that night, that Wednesday night when we got out there, could not find her. And two pasture buddies were there at the barn, different pasture than they started out in but they were there too. They were both fine. They had some scratches on them, but neither one of them needed stitches. So I just assumed, you know, crazy thoroughbred. She got freaked out. and she's probably two counties away by now. Um, so she was missing that Wednesday night. Got out there early Thursday morning and went to look for her, and she did not make it. She, I found her dead. Still in the same pasture she started out in, uh, she didn't have a scratch on her. She was just laid out like she was sunny. No weird oh. angles. No clue what happened.
1: Oh, but, I'm so sorry, Megan.
3: No, it's okay. Uh, it's part of it. You know, there's a reason why Bob, my little Rainer, survived, and she didn't. So I have to um, comprehend and just accept that. And, and- it, it was really...
0: I got to tell you, you're stronger than I. Th- you know, what amazed me about the other Glenn, night. are you crying? Yeah, almost. <laughs> um, you know, what, you, what amazed me the other night is how strong everybody was that came on to tell their stories. And there were, what, a dozen of them um, yeah. to tell their stories just like you. I mean, and I, I hope that I would be that strong if something like that happened to me. I'm not sure I would.
1: Well, I, I well, also, you're so philosophical about it because you say there's a reason, but it it seems, oh, it seems like there's yeah. no rhyme or right. reason to it at all. I'd be furious and, ugh. Oh, it's, yeah. I think you're very brave.
3: It would be easy to do that, but then at the same time, I look at, you know, I lost a lot, and it's not, you know, she was special to me. I had her mom, I bred her, she was, I mean, She was two years from being able to go on an event, and we were making good progress, and I was there when she was born and everything else coming up through it. So, I mean, I had been with her from the time she was conceived all the way on up, and and she was my baby. She was exactly what I wanted. She was a mama made over. You know, we had plans, and the hardest part for me was not losing her but having to reevaluate the next 10 years of my life because, you know, and this is horse people through and through. I work so I can afford my horses. You know, I, I do everything so I, I can have the horses. And I, I've had to reevaluate where I stand. Um, I'm looking for another stallion right now to cross, cross the Marowith again um, so I can breed her next spring and then in another six years have another event horse. Uh, but it's it's hard, because I hadn't budgeted, and I'm not going to breed her to anybody out there that, you know, just to get a horse on the ground, I want, you know, I want the next big thing. And the mare is extremely talented, so it, it's one of those standpoints. Um,
0: but, yeah, and I know, too, uh, you know, what we heard the other night, too, was, yes, I, I, I lost a horse, which is a terrible thing, but then... You look around to everybody around there who lost uh, whole families and, and, yeah. and you know, and, and everything. It all becomes relative in a way.
3: It does. And, that, and that's what's kept me. You know, that Thursday when I found her, that was the first time we'd seen everything in the daylight. Um, we got the horses moved. They were taken care of. So we didn't have that. But we had to still look for dogs. The Some adrenaline of the dogs, had
0: slowed down a bit at that point.
3: It had slowed down, yeah. yeah. And and we were able to assess everything and get a hold of friends. Um, so there, we had a nice support group. I met so many people that I knew through other people that I'd never met before. Um, and I'm still, you know, two months after the fact, there's still, you know, almost every day, a couple times a week, check in with each other. How you doing? How are you keeping up? Um, you know, there's this whole new support group that we've all leaned on each other for. And it's really, you know, the bad times bring out the best in people and the worst in people. And it's it's been really neat to see the new friends, you know, that night with the horses. We had complete strangers that I've not seen since that night um, that stopped by and helped out. They helped load horses on trailers. They helped move trees. They helped, you know, just find stuff mm-hmm. uh, so we could. To get everything done and then they got in their trucks and then they left. You know, yeah. all they wanted was you know, they didn't even want to thank you. They just did what had to be done. Uh, so it was neat to see everybody just kind of pull together and help out. Megan, and you know it
0: Megan, we're kinda of yeah. run- we're, we're kind of running out of time, but I wanna ask you, what did you take <laughs> okay. what did you take away from this? What was your takeaway
3: from all of this? My takeaway was, you know bad things happen. It's easy to assume that nothing you know that it's never going to happen to me because it always happens to somebody else. You see the pictures, you don't realize the devastation until um, so you actually have to go through it, and it it's made me really appreciate the horses that I have. Uh, you know, I've I've been lucky, I've been blessed to have some nice horses And um, the horse community. It it puts things in perspective. You know, Bob, my little reigning horse he was for sale. I'd put him, I'd listed him online for sale the week before the tornado hit because I was going to focus on that mare that I lost. Um, but since then, it's been a reevaluate everything and, you know, just don't take for granted what you have. Uh, because in the blink of an eye, it can all be gone and you can be starting over from scratch. Uh, and and you know the, the people that you meet at horse shows your little horse show buddies it's amazing that they'll do step in and come through for you um, and if you ever need them so it's it, it's really made the horse world a lot smaller for me um, a lot more close knit it's 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 really neat to see what people that are acquaintances will do for you when you need just anybody um, and that's that's made a nice appreciation for it because I wouldn't know what to do without everybody.
0: Well, thank you, Megan, for joining us. I'm so glad that we able we're able to get you on to tell your story, and I'm actually kind of glad that we we did it in this format because we had much more time than we would have uh, the other night. Yeah, I want to remind everybody that uh, if you you can still give to Horseworld Gives Back, uh, they're reaching out now and. Some of the money that we have uh, raised is starting to go out to places like Alabama and Mississippi and Arkansas at this very moment and to people like Megan who have lost uh, horses and much and much more homes and, and, and loved ones. So we would like you to still do that. If you didn't get a chance, go to HorseWorldGivesBack.com and you'll see the donate buttons on the right-hand side of the page. Megan, thank you so much. If you want to get a hold of Megan for any reason, just uh, write to me at glennathorseradio network and I'll make sure I forward it on to Megan as well. Good luck with the rainer. Um,
1: yeah, good luck, Megan, and with yeah, your thank new you. with and, your new stallion and baby when that happens.
3: <laughs> yep, it'll be fun.
0: And remember, sit back on your pockets, okay? Um, <laughs>
3: And always look up, look up and kick. (laughs) Look
0: up and kick, good advice. (laughs) And we'll end on that, look up and kick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, Samantha, let me tell you that was kind of weird because I could hear the thunder over your microphone in the background, and I'm sure the audience heard that too and wondered what it was we're in the middle of a thunderstorm here right now. The entire time Megan was talking to us, to Samantha and I, we're living through a a, a loud thunderstorm. So that was kind of spooky.
1: It was a moody atmosphere, that's for sure. And um, it, it helped us sort of sympathize a little bit with Megan more, although... Gosh, what an amazing story and what an amazing girl. It really brought it home.
0: You know, when I talked to her earlier in the show, I said how matter-of-fact everybody that told their stories was, and I don't know if that's a common thing or not, but she was the same way.
1: I know, and I know listening to your show on Monday night, you do have to put it all in perspective, and there's people who've lost everything, and my aunt always says that she never donates to animal charities that people should come first and I sort of agree. But then you listen to Megan and she found a horse lying there. And I mean, it does, it just, I, I, you know, I'm speechless for once. I can't, how can you, she's very, very brave. I, I, I really admire, I really yeah. admire her.
0: And she, you know, she did tell us after we were done recording, we didn't have time to get on the air that, uh, that there were several horses that died as a, out at that farm. Uh, hers was not the only one, but there were a couple in the barn and, and several others, too. So she left those parts out. Uh, <clears throat> but it was... Uh, it wa- I can't imagine just coming upon it. We've seen the pictures, and we've showed some of the pictures on Horse World Gives Back of what the areas looked like after that particular tornado she's talking about went through. It looked like a nuclear bomb went off. There was nothing. The green... It was lush green uh, pictures of trees and grass... There was no green left. It, it sucked the color out of everything. It was amazing stuff. Ugh. Just uh, amazing stuff. And you, now, have you seen a tornado since you've been here in the United States?
1: No. Is no, That was...
0: you get in England very often?
1: No, well, no not yeah. at all. Not at all. Not at all. So um, when I first came over here, I was quite excited. Um, you know, I thought it was sort of an adventure. And now, of course, I realize how serious they are. And even the thunderstorms. I used to think, "Ah, oh, here we go! It's exciting," and you know, you're all being a bit, wim- you know, bit wimps hiding away in the house. But now, now I understand why.
0: Yeah, and so, do you get many thunderstorms?
1: And not with the same severity that you do here.
0: Okay, interesting. We don't think about that. You think that you know, tornadoes and things happen all over the world, but the United States is the biggest uh, tornado country in the world. Uh, we get more mm-hmm. than anybody else uh, per capita, even. Well, Samantha, this has been fun. It brings back memories. It's like, like, but you know what? It's been, you know, we haven't had to relearn it. We just sat down and talked. Yep. And uh, it's been good getting together with you on a regular basis and keeping up. And, of course, you can find out and keep track of Samantha's every move on Twitter at... Uh, Samantha L. Clark. <laughs> That's right. She's still tweeting away, just like she used to. Yep. And also, you can find Samantha at eventingnation.com and just click on the link up at the top for Samantha's blog. And yep, it's, it's the new. It's a new one, It's, <laughs> <one. Yeah.
1: laughs>
0: it's going to be new for the next 10 years. Um, and, of course, uh, you, you can follow us at Horse Radio on on Twitter. and And please do stop by our Stable Scoop page on Facebook. And follow us there as well. Did you have anything else you needed to announce? Or
1: nope. No. For details about today's show, go to StableScoop.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information, information about our guests.
0: Wow. You're still good
1: at that. Yeah. We love your feedback. Follow us on Facebook under StableScoop. Oh, you said that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did say that. I, I, I skipped ahead. Helena hates it when I do that. And, of course, of course, I'm, with,
1: can- I'm with Helena. <laughs>
0: Of course, you can follow Jamie and I every morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, at Horses in the Morning, where they're live. I don't know, did you get a chance to listen to the Elvis episode yet?
1: No, because I was up in Beaumont, and oh, I'm still true. catching up with myself. Well, you know, if, uh,
0: if you missed uh, Horses in the Morning last Friday morning, go back to HorsesintheMorning.com and take a listen to the recorded version. We actually recorded live from Graceland. Did you sing? I did not sing because I probably would have had to pay a royalty or a fee of some sort. Uh, and, and plus, we lost half the audience right at the beginning. Yeah. So, but they didn't let me, but it was fun to do. Let me tell you, Samantha, that was kind of a treat because I grew up, you know, when I was growing up, Elvis was a big deal and, <laughs> and the Beatles were, you know. And I asked her a question at the end. I said, and I didn't. What know. did you say? Well, I asked her a question at the no, end. No,
1: before that, you, as, Beatles, big, as big a deal.
0: They did were well. Actually, I hate to tell you, <clears> throat> Elvis. Throat> what has, did you say? What Elvis you say? has the Beatles beat in far as record sales. He has over a billion records sold. Um, he's the t- highest uh, selling of anybody ever. So he still got the Beatles beat by a little bit. I hate to say, but I did ask her and on threat of getting kicked off the property. I said, I don't know if I'm allowed to bring this name up, but did Elvis ever meet the Beatles? And she said, It's funny you say that. Because apparently they did. They played pool together and hung out together one night. And there's actually, in the Beatles Museum... Have you ever seen
1: that? No.
0: In the Beatles Museum in England, there's going to be an Elvis display of the pictures and things and some of the memorabilia uh, from that night. So, so that's kind of cool that they're, that they're doing a, a part of the museum. At, and in, in England, at the Beatles Museum, will be their Elvis display of the time they met. Hmm. so there you go that was fun it was fun to do it was kind of neat well that's it I've rambled on long enough (laughs) say goodbye
1: Samantha bye Glenn